Hi, this is Hillary Burns. My show, The Getting Real with Hillary Show, is dedicated to you. This show is meant to inspire you and to have other guests on who have a story, who might have been stuck, to inspire you that you can also get unstuck and create a life you love, that we can all be free, we don't have to feel alone, and we don't have to feel that there's something wrong with us. That's my message, and I hope you'll join and tune in for some exciting adventures and interviews. Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show, where we say what can't be said and the AAA formula for freedom, which is awareness, acceptance, and action. And today, oh my God, I'm already crying. <laughs> today, I'm here with a really good friend, Sarah Kelly, who's an aspiring author, and her book, uh, Soul Fire, Choose to Live, is going to be published in the next few months, and I am so proud of her. Sarah is an awesome woman with quite a story to tell. So welcome, Sarah Kelly. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Hillary. You're welcome. So let's see. Sarah and I, we were discussing, you know, which part of her story she would tell, and I'm just going to let her kind of start wherever she wants. It's quite an inspiring tale. Um, you know, as always, we talk about where people were stuck and, you know, where they can inspire you, where you might be stuck in your life. And, you know, when you can see what Sarah did to get unstuck, you know, maybe you can too. So Sarah, where would you like to begin? Oh, I guess I'll start at the beginning. So when I was a teenager, there was some trauma and my mother was married to somebody who wasn't really great. And... I spent a lot of years hiding from it and it kept me very stuck and um and it, children wait so i'm gonna just interrupt you from time to time like how did you hide in a million ways i hid by not going to art school like i wanted to i didn't end up going to medical school i didn't want to stand out as a person i didn't want to you know, I wanted to go to art school. I wanted to be a professional dancer and a professional, you know, sculptor. And I didn't do those things because that would put me in the spotlight. So anytime there was an opportunity for a spotlight, literally or metaphorically, I I said no until five years ago. And, and I did not. Wow. Okay. And what just going back before we get you out, what did you do instead? So when you said you stayed out, you didn't go to art school, what did you do instead? Mm -hmm. So I went to a community college because they couldn't say no to me. <laughs> right. I um, I got my degree and then I worked for a while and paid off my car. Very practical decisions. Um, and then I moved several states away <laughs> um, to, to get freedom. But like most geographical fixes, it wasn't a real fix. I did. I went to school, got my very practical degree in biology and exercise science and a minor in psychology. Yeah, it was, it was when I got hurt on the ambulance working as an EMT that I kind of had a wake up call. Um, that wait, 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 how did you get hurt? You can't leave us there. What happened? 
Um, <laughs> so don't mind me interrupting you, and then hopefully we'll remember where you were to keep going. Yeah, no, it's fine. So, so what happened was I didn't get enough sleep. It was finals week, and I had a four a.m. shift on the ambulance, and I got like two hours of sleep the night before, and I didn't do anything ergonomically wrong, but I just lifted the patient into the chair, and um, it tore something in my back and pulled a disc out of place for six months. Yeah, so that's why I didn't end up going to medical school. <laughs> But it was a good, I needed that wake up call. So for six months you did what? Like lie in bed or you just couldn't? couldn't? No, it, it was, um, I was in excruciating pain and okay. I was finishing my degrees, my biology degrees and my um, exercise science degree. I was taking calculus. I'd finally worked my way up to calculus, which math was like this thing that I said I couldn't do. And um, I had done it and I had an A before I got hurt. And then I couldn't hold my head up because it was excruciating and I wouldn't take narcotics. I got the degree in spite of it all, but it made me really look at my life and look at the choices I was making. And I had been saying no to a really good man because I had to, honestly, I had to put on my big curl pants and be an adult, right? And I had to be willing to trust someone completely because you can't marry somebody and not actually be willing to trust them. I mean, you can, but it doesn't work very well. <laughs> um, so I looked at it and why I was saying no to him. And I chose to trust him in spite of myself. And I married him, which took me all over the country. So he's in the military. That's why she moved, right? That's yeah. Right. Yeah, he was in the Navy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He just retired. Wow. So how many years have you been married and trusting? Mm. So we got married in 2009. Um, so, so is this 13 or 14 years? Yeah. 2022 20, minus nine. I think that my math is still three. So 13 yeah. years. Wow. Yeah. So we just yeah. celebrated 13. I thought, yeah. Congratulations. And you have two <laughs> children. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Good. All right. So going back, you were hiding and then you got hurt. And then what? So I married my husband, John, and we we're in san diego we were in virginia beach we were in monterey california so all of you know we spanned most of the country i was a mother and it it took me out of myself long enough to realize that i wanted more for my life and i started taking baby steps and um my my own mother and i did a lot of work to heal our relationship and i i talk about that in the book um so my healing really began when i when i was pregnant with my first child and because what because the audience doesn't know and i don't know how much you want to give away of the book but what were you healing <laughs> um if you want I, to say yeah so i was healing my relationship with my mother there was there was a breach in trust you know the the person she was married to was at <laughs> he was an alcoholic and he wasn't i don't think he was in the relationship for the right reasons he was dangerous and after the second or third time he threatened to kill me, she finally left him. So that created a big breach in trust between she and I. So when I... Hold on, hold on. Because when you said that to me the first time, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. He threatened to kill you. You know, like, sure. You know, we all say that. I'm going to kill you. But in your case, I know we've talked about it. He really, he really might have. Yeah. It wasn't just threatening. I mean, it wasn't just an idle threat, right? So people can get the, serious, the seriousness of it 
and how that would have altered your relationship with your mother. Yeah, yeah, he, he uh, wasn't believing you, I think. Yeah, he he was a he was a drug dealer, and I found out about that just before they got married, and she didn't believe me and married him anyway. And you know, he spent most of the time in the bars as soon as they got married. You know, the anger and the violence and the throwing things against the wall and I I didn't you know, at I, was, home? I was scared. Yeah, at, at home. home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where was she when he was doing this? She wasn't around? No, she was there. Yeah, that was normally with, with her, like when they would fight. It was a scary time. And that's what you were hiding from? Yeah, yeah. She um, she left him not, I mean, it was less than a year into the marriage that she did leave him, so it wasn't a really long time, but it was um, a terrifying time for me. And it took a long time. Like, I, I pretended... The way I coped was to pretend that I wasn't affected and to pretend that, you know, I was like G.I. Jane. But I also couldn't really pretend that things were okay with my mother and I. But when I finally got pregnant with my first child, that was almost 20 years later. So anyways, it was more than a decade later. It was a long time after after the incident. So we created a relationship out of our mutual love for my child and um, formed and healed old wounds. But it took a lot for me to get there. You know, I, I said I was sorry several times and it didn't stick until it finally did in here. And I realized that thing that they say that we get the freedom when we literally get unstuck from that. You know, I carried those pain, that pain for as long as I carried it and when I finally let it go and released it, I was free. And which was the part that freed you? Talking to your mom or saying it out loud? Like what part do you think got you free? So, but with that relationship, it was, um, it was the actual forgiveness. Mm. And it took me being willing to be in a, relationship with her in the present tense outside of that past history it took that in order for me to be able to forgive her you know to create new memories which took a lot it took a lot so were you blaming her yeah so the first time and the second time he threatened to kill me she defended him and she said that his mother was dying and he needed her yeah so i i left his house and i lived with my brother for a while and um, who was an adult. He's much older than me. Continued going to school and finished. And when he threatened to kill me the third time, she finally left him. And, you know, we lived in the same house for a couple of years, but I left as soon as I could to go to college. Moved in with my dad. Oh, your real dad, not that guy. Correct. Yeah. So you went on, but you, you were kind of pretending that everything was fine even though you had been traumatized, you were just kind of GI, GI Jane going along. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, most, most people that knew me, even if they knew me then didn't really know what I had been through at that time, because I held it that if I didn't tell anyone that they were safe and it was the fallacy that fear told me, right? Fear isn't rational, but so, yeah. So that's one facet of the book. is my my journey with my mother and forgiveness. 
And, um, and we had that like real forgiveness and a real relationship at the end. I, I sang to her as she was dying, like actually was singing to her. Nobody was listening. So nobody could judge me except for her. And she wasn't going to judge me. So that's the ultimate uh, gift was the one that I gave myself by letting it go. And letting go, you forgave your mom. Yeah. Did you forgive the stepfather? Huh. Uh, no. No. Okay. No. All right. But the healing came with your mom. And then were you at peace about it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. All right. So that's one part of Sarah's story. And now <laughs> she has another part that you won't believe, folks. But here she is. And Sarah is one incredible G.I. Jane. <laughs> so you want to say what happened next? So you're going along, you have your kids, life is fine, you're healed with your mom. And then So my dad lived with us after um after a while. He lived with us for five years before he passed away. And he had had an emergency aneurysm stent placement. And I was taking his walker to him at the hospital about 25 minutes away. And um he wasn't going to wait for the hospital to walk. Like they didn't, they didn't look at him as normal anymore because he'd had a stroke. And so he wanted his walker so he could get out of the hospital and he wanted his freedom. So I took it to him and, um, I got the weirdest text from my husband that didn't even make sense. I had just sat down in the chair and just set set up the walker so my dad could reach it so he could do what he wanted to do. And, uh, and I got this weird text and then, And then the next text came and and he said, where are you? And I'm like, what do you mean? Where am I? I'm at the hospital. I just got here. Like, and, um, I didn't know it at the time, but he, he, he was having a stroke at 38 years old and he was alone with my kids at the time. And I was a half hour away. So I called Jen, who is my best friend. I call her my sister. And because she was much closer, 10 minutes away. So I called Jen and had her rush over there because my kids were two and three at the time you know or did he say i don't feel well did he say something or you just knew so and i i picked up the phone and called him when it was weird oh it was really weird and i picked up the phone and i and and he sounded drunk and he said that he fell and he couldn't walk and he was dizzy and being an emt and pre-med i i I just i knew it was bad he had not been sick so Jen went over there and took his blood pressure and I made him take a baby aspirin and he's like, I can't walk. I'm like, I don't care. You crawl, you crawl to that front door and you open that door. They're going to, they're going to barrel through it. They're going to like break down the door. So those are your choices. And I told him the same thing with the aspirin. I'm like, you got to take that baby aspirin. He goes, I, I'm nauseous. I'm like, hold it under your tongue for as long as you can. And um, when the paramedic came, he wrote him off and said that it was, it must've been a virus because his blood pressure had normalized by that point. Yeah, so it turns out he had a stroke in the one area that the blood pressure doesn't always stay high in the brain and in um in the brainstem and the cerebellum because of a circle of Willis in the brainstem. So the MRI showed at that point that my 38-year-old husband had already had four strokes. Full-blown Whoa. strokes. And um he was in the Navy, he was our sole provider. That was 2015. So a couple of years went by 
And my dad and my husband liked to do things with their aneurysm at the same time. It was almost like this. Wait, 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 wait. Two years went by. Was he fine? He went back to work. Like what happened in those two years? So he pretended to be fine. He, he wasn't. So he could walk and he could talk, but he would get very dizzy. He would get vertigo. He would get overstimulated very easily. Um, auditory stimulation and um, visual stimulation was a lot for him. They, the Navy made him take 30 days off. Mm. And so he, he, uh, he did his own hiding during that month. He, he built a, a bookshelf <laughs> in his library um, in the room above the garage. He had to do something, but he wasn't going to talk about the stroke. He wasn't going to say the S word. He wasn't going to like, yeah. So the first days were hard and we spent two years not knowing, you know? So I, I really spent two years not knowing if my husband was going to wake up the next day or if he was going to be okay or if the Navy was going to kick him out because at that point he'd been in for 15 years. So he wasn't eligible for the full Navy retirement. Um, he was an officer, but he wasn't eligible if, if they decided he wasn't fit, but he was fit for duty. He went back out. He finished his tour on the ship that he was on and he actually was able to finish his career. But in 2017, my dad's aneurysm leaked and he had surgery. That was six months after my husband's surgery. So in spring of 2017, they, they had found that he had an aneurysm in his right vertebral artery. Wait, is this your dad or your husband? My husband. Oh, cool. it's, it's confusing to me too sometimes. So yeah, I call that time aneurysm alley because yeah. they really were like back to back doing, <laughs> having strokes and aneurysms and um, more my husband than my dad. But so my, my husband's six month follow-up for his aneurysm stint repair was when my dad was in the hospital dying. Oh. Um, he, the, the surgery... You know, they were amazing surgeons and it it was his time, that's all I can say. They had to replace the aorta and it it must have burst on the table because he lost six liters of blood and he tried to come back from that, but you only have ten in the body. So yeah, so twenty seventeen was hard. And that that moment when my dad was dying, like he was my rock. You know, I, I realized that on the same day, basically, that my husband was going to live and my dad was not going to live. And that was the moment that I started making big changes in my life beyond forgiving my mother, right? Just here. That was the second thing. What kind of big changes do you mind saying? Well, I looked at all the places where I was literally hiding mm. and, and I stopped hiding. I started... I started photography as like a hobby business and I started saying yes to people, saying yes to things that would put me in the spotlight, you know, the garden club, the PTA, things that meant I had to talk to strangers <laughs> and it was scary, but it was also the best decision that I could have made for myself and my family and my growth because as my dad was dying, I realized that i I didn't want to be a mother who parented from fear, from the what if, if he was around the corner or, or if they were going to get hurt or whatever. Like I realized really that they deserved a mother who reached for her dreams and believed it was possible and showed them that they can do anything that they want to do in this life. Like my dad for, did for me. Then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> So I my, know there's more. 
So my dad died in 2017. Six months later, my husband's dad died. And then my mom moved down October of 2019 to be close to me. So we were in the same state for the last, what would be the last months of her life. So she was here from October of 19 until June of 2020. And she was diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer that had metastasized, you know, the same week of the shutdown of the pandemic Mm. in March of 2020. So I walked with her through her cancer journey and her eventual passing. And, um, and then I got COVID and almost died, but I didn't, and I'm still here, (laughs) but it was in that time when I didn't know if I was going to see the sunrise that I started writing my book. And I said, fine, like I, this thing has circled my life enough and I'm done. I will do the thing that I am meant to do with my life. If it just stops happening in my life, because as much as I wanted to hide, I was very, very clear that I had to share my story with the people that needed to hear it. I may not know who all of them are yet, but I'm clear that it it happened. I believe for a reason and that um, it absolutely can inspire other people. And when you say the thing, this thing, what is that thing? Um, death death kept circling my life Mm. whether it was my stepfather threatening to kill me or my dad dying or my husband almost dying or threatening to die or whatever you want to call that six strokes in a brain aneurysm before 40 and then my own wrestle with covid breathing you know with my throat closing because my tonsils were so swollen i could barely breathe um yeah so yeah it's death (laughs) so how do you think you got past it you know i mean we all have fear of something and you had this death thing threats the the real death this how do you think like you just said okay i'm gonna live i'm gonna write my book i'm gonna do what i'm afraid of i'm if it happens it happens i'm but i'm gonna live is that what you said or am I making that up? <laughs> I mean, that's certainly part of it, for sure. Um, but what had you, you know, like, you're afraid, death has come, you know, circling, and then boom. What's the what's the yeah. boom that then you were different? Well, so for me, that's what I call soul fire. Mm. You know, like when I was a teenager and I had, I felt like I had no support. Um, my dad had just taken a job states away to learn, learn a new programming language. So he wasn't really physically close. I dove into dance. I dove into sculpting. I dove into poetry. Mm-hmm. So even way back then I had writing as an outlet and, and, and really it was, it was the physical, the physicality of being able to like speak my heart without using my voice because using my voice was terrifying at the time. So that's where it began. Mm-hmm. So when my husband was having his strokes of unknown origin at the time, I made fairy gardens. You know, I tore out the weeds in my front yard. I did physical things to to continue like an outlet. Yeah, I didn't I didn't finally like uncork the cat to the writing world until COVID. And I, I just, I was like, okay, fine. I ha- I've had enough. I had, um, I'd been stuck. I'd been 
a, a million things and I had been working up to that um, freedom from the time my dad died in 2017. So, so it was really the freedom to express yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And what I hadn't had, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I fed, I fed what I call my soul fire. You know, I fed the, the places that fueled me in life and when things were really hard and I didn't know what was going to happen with my husband, you know, sometimes I vented with people. Sometimes I cried, screamed into my pillow, whatever, but having an outlet of some sort and actually talking about that thing that nobody wants to talk about is literally the thing that saved me. When I started, you know, I'd held in the thing, as a teen, the events of me being a teenager had held it in the whole time. And when I finally started talking about it to people, anybody who would listen that I trusted, it chipped away at, at what I call the door, um, little by little, you know, and my, my trauma responses were less my somatic, you know, my body wasn't constantly looking for the threat anymore. So doing the thing that scared me the most talking about it was the thing that i needed to do to finally get free to finally get unstuck well sarah thank you we just got we just hit time that's why i'm saying wow what an ending you know that was good yeah so anything you'd like to say in closing real quick it is always possible even if it doesn't seem like it is. And even in the middle of a storm, if it's a baby step, you have the capacity to go on and take those baby steps towards the life you really want. Mm -hmm. And even if we don't think we do, we do deserve that. Like, because it isn't about deserving, right? We're all humans and we all get to breathe the same air. You are worth it. Yes. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for that amazing, courageous telling. And we will look forward to your book being out, Soul Fire, Choose to Live. We can put how to get it as soon as it's ready. We'll put it in the notes and put the links in and looking forward to it. So thank you so much. Thank you. 